It's back. The Utah Snowmobile Expo is this weekend. Scott and Hans will be there for Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with interviews from vendors featuring all the new machines and gear for this year. Don't miss this year's show at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, brought to you by Spy Racing and Snow West Magazine. Time now to talk BYU football with the Cougar, former Cougar wide receiver, Dylan Colley. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Dylan, did you learn anything watching that beating, or did that just confirm stuff you already knew? Uh, really just confirmed things that I already knew. Tough opponent to learn anything from. I thought that the uh, Texas State quarterback might have a chance of being a little more productive, especially in the way that they started, but uh, he quickly decided to leave the pocket every five seconds. So <laughs> that's really about all I learned. One of the things we've learned this season is Dax Mill is having a breakout year, and it's really it's, it's phenomenal to see when you consider his background. And it got me thinking, you know, your, your, when your brother got to, speaking of Austin, when he got to Provo, it's like by the third practice, you're like, all right, I get it. I mean, this kid, is he's got the attitude, he's got the hands, he's got the ability, he's got the size. It didn't take long for me to label him that he had the potential to be the best receiver in BYU history, and in my mind, I think he is. But then you got a whole bunch of other guys, which 95% of the guys go into that other category, right? So how does a receiver Mm -hmm. work his way into the rotation and work his way into being such an outstanding target when they bring in so many of them? Yeah, I mean, I think – for both, you know, specifically Gunner and Dax, right? Because Gunner kind of came in that way where it was the expectation was so high. And we've, we've had that conversation before on kind of the, the pressure that that brings and uh, kind of the anomaly that it is to be <clears throat> the star, right, true freshman that everyone wants or expects you to be. Um, but with Dax and, and Gunner both, they really do have kind of a – they carry an athletic ability, right, naturally, that is, you know, a little bit more than what we've had in the past, especially from guys like them, right? Like, they are a bit taller. They're both above six one, um, And so between, you know, their natural athletic ability and their, you know, mechanics and everything that they do at the, the receiver position, I think the rest of it just comes down to hard work and, you know, one thing that Fessy is is very, very clear on is how to get on the field. There's probably four or five things that if you do these things, he's very good about following through, right, which a lot of coaches kind of struggle with. They'll say, hey, if you execute in practice, if you understand the playbook, if you make, you know, minimal mistakes, if you work hard, and when the ball's in your hands, if you make plays, right, you're going to see the field. Um and that's something that both, you know, Gunner and, and Dax have done for a very long time. And we're kind of seeing the dividends paid uh, on that this year. So, <clears throat> PK loves football terms. We're going to throw out football cliches here. You ready? And one that Riley yep. Jensen throws at us all the time, catch radius. He loves that. The catch radius. Mm. Some guys, when you throw it to them, it's got to be in this little two-foot circle. It's got to come in over the shoulder, into the numbers, and if it's not there, they're not catching it. 
And other guys, yep. you could throw, you could draw like a 10-foot circle around them. They will go get the ball. They'll go get it when it's down at the anchor ankles. They'll get it when it's behind them. They'll get it when it's three feet over their head. They will go get the ball. There are a yep. lot of parents here dreaming that their son, who's a gremlin, is going to end up playing at BYU on ESPN, having the kind of season Dax Milne's having. If a wide receiver is going to get that, what do they have to do? What do they do to take that catch radius from two feet out to eight or ten feet? I think all that comes down to the your mental capacity, right? Your mental capability and what you're willing to go up and get. Like if you, uh, those types of guys, right, really don't fear anything. Like when you you understand that when you're playing, and you know whether you're. It doesn't happen near as much on the outside, right? But when you're kind of born and bred on the inside, you learn about linebackers and you learn about safeties. Um, And you can really see how someone's going to be, right, the first time that they get hit by a linebacker or safety. (laughs) And that's really what kind of expands your catch radius is your ability to say, you know, uh, if I'm running 100 miles an hour, it hurts a lot less getting smacked by a linebacker or a safety. Um, and then, you know, the ability just, the athletic ability just to really go and get it. Uh, I don't think it has a lot to do with hand size. I don't think it has to do a lot with, you know, arm length or reach. It really has a lot to do with I'm willing, right, and I want those 50-50 balls. And when someone's not willing to get those and their catch radius is small, that's when they right get their football cliche nickname of 50-50, where it's like, yep, they're, you know, they might catch it. We're not sure, though. So how do you develop so that you're okay trust? Your, it, Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just, I was just going to say, so if you, if you want your, you know, your kid to be that type of guy, you got to be okay with him getting a hit. So that – when you speak of if you're open by five feet, quarterback's going to throw you the ball, or else he's going to get benched, right? I mean, we all we all know yeah. that. But I'm interested to learn about that trust that you can establish with that quarterback when you speak of that fifty-fifty. So you're not so obviously wide open, but the dude throwing the ball knows if I throw it to him, if there's any way possible. He's coming down with it. And I'd imagine that's a good spot to be in for a receiver if the quarterback and the coaches think that that's the case. How do you get to that point as a receiver? Yeah, I think obviously a, a huge part, if if receivers could be a part of, you know, if practice could get broken up into one-on-ones, uh, seven-on-seven in team drills, right, and you did that for an hour and a half, and you did that for three days, you're going to know exactly who your guys are um, because, you know, it's very rare, especially later in the season, when you're going full go against your defense who sees you every single day, that this concept of, you know, being open by five feet, right, <laughs> is going to happen. And, like, simply what it comes down to is, uh, you know, people, quarterbacks will throw a football and you have people who say, ah, oh, he, he really wasn't open. As a receiver, you need to know and understand that if you have a half a step, right, if you have a half a step on a defensive back, you better know that your quarterback, one, trusts you enough to believe that you're open in that situation, and you as a receiver better know, okay, I'm open, and I need to make the play on this ball. 
And so as a coach and as a quarterback, it's these types of plays in practice, right, in scrimmages, in games where, you know, you truly get to see, okay, this is, this is our guy. And the guys who are producing today at receiver are those guys. So as a former receiver, if you go to practice, if you're let in where the media isn't, how quickly can you look at you, you got a whole receiver group there, right? And they're they're going through their drills. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to say he's got it, he doesn't, he doesn't, he does? Uh <laughs> probably less than five minutes. But that's also because right, like as all growing up, my dad was training receivers all around the country, right? Obviously, growing up in the home I did, uh, I was very, very observant. And so, like, that that's something – I mean, I've, I watched a lot of football and <laughs> learned from a lot of different people um, and played a lot of football. And so, you know, when it comes to the receiver position, I, I feel pretty good about walking into a practice, walking into a film room – and knowing, okay, I can pick out three or four guys that, you know, uh, have the ability to be a, a legit Division One athlete. Right. I mean, that's what I was saying. I was covering – I worked for the newspaper at the time covering BYU, so I'm down there, and then back at that point you can go and watch all the practices and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And it didn't take very long to realize that Collie kid uh, was all that. And plus you combine right. the attitude, and let's face it, he had attitude, and I don't mean that in a negative yeah. way. I mean that in a positive way. So how much of it is attitude to go along with the skill because collies have always had the attitude that they've needed to succeed? Yeah, and and that is especially, you know, at the receiver position. When you look at offensive skill positions, the attitude is a huge, huge part of it. Now, each attitude is going to be different, right? I think the middle of the field, you look at, uh, the offensive line and the and the running backs, right? It's the attitude of I'm stronger, I'm smarter, and I'm just going to get at you with brute force, right? At, on the outside, at receiver and then at quarterback, if you don't have a certain level of confidence in your ability, then you're you're not going to make it. And I, and I think you see that a lot as you get people who are phenomenal, right? All of fall camp, all of practice. Um, and, and even I, right. Like I fell into this, my, uh, the last half of my freshman year at Hawaii, right. Norm Chow got fired. We brought in an interim head coach. Um, I, in going into my sophomore year, we switched coaches and my confidence was in the dumps, right? Like I was at Hawaii with, you know, the only reason I really went to Hawaii was because of Norm Chow. Right. And, uh, so to know that comfort was now gone, I was going to need to get to know new coaches, this whole thing, and kind of prove myself again, I wasn't in the best mindset. And it really did have an effect on the early parts of my season. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a year later, my junior year, it was like, okay, I'm, you know, the normal, confident, my normal, confident self. And, and that proved, right, that proved the best way. It's not like my skill set really changed. I continued to work in the same way that I did. I continued to have my same habits. The only thing that changed was I believed that I was the best receiver on the field at that time. And, you know, that is a huge part of, I think, specifically Dax's journey is 
when you see Dax, Dax is not right. I think I had maybe four or five conversations with Dax uh, in the first three or four months that I was at BYU. And that wasn't because, right, I was avoiding him. Like, I saw him throw. We, I threw with him one time and was like, good night, this kid's legit. And, uh, you know, so he was, I knew he was the real deal. Um, but he's extremely quiet. Um, he's very observant. And the dude just, but, but he has this confidence that freaking just radiates. And you knew that he was going to be a player. And that's kind of shown through right today. So when you were listing all the things that got you on the field, I didn't hear anything about run blocking. Did you just happen to skip that, or do coaches not push that very hard, or does that depend on the coach? <laughs> no, I think a lot of that depends on the coach and, and the time. Uh, in our house, if you miss a, if you drop the ball and you missed a run block, right, or you didn't give 100% on your run blocks, it was very much, you can get that drop back, you can't get that run block back. If you weren't flying around going 100 miles an hour to get your blocks for your running backs, Scott Colley was going to have your head. That was probably the few times that I got yelled at after a football game. Um, I think there was twice specifically, from the time I was eight years old till I was a senior at BYU, there was two times that I got pretty... And my dad's not, right? He's not – every game my dad's he, – he's up in the corner. He's extremely quiet. Uh, he's not going to, you know, yell your name. He's not going to give you a go Dylan, right? <laughs> he's, he's just going to watch. And there was two times where after the game he just kind of asked me, like, hey, how would you play? And I'm like, oh, I mean, I played phenomenal. Like, <laughs> I had, you know, eight catches over 100 yards. And – he just stopped me and said, well, that's uh, it, completely wrong. You played awful, and that was like one of the worst efforts I've ever seen on this block and this block. Oh, man. Did, and, did uh, you learn that that was a setup when he asked you how you played? Or, or did he ask absolutely. you that even after good games? Or it was always a setup? No. Always a setup. No questions asked. <laughs> so did you remember those times you didn't uh, make those blocks that you were supposed to? Oh, absolutely. Like I, uh, one time I was nine years old, I was playing quarterback and it was a, uh, like an option play. Uh-huh. And I, I pitched the ball and we had plenty of space. Right. But when I pitched it, I just stopped. And as soon as I came off the field, I kind of looked at him and I'm like, Oh yeah, I went for, you know, 12 yards or whatever. And immediately after the game, he's like, do you know why I gave you that look on that option? And I was like, uh, nope. <laughs> and he's like, because you stopped running. And then proceeded to lay into me for a good five minutes about effort and blocking. And that was like the first time I learned about it. And then in high school, sophomore year, homecoming game, I just, there was a, you know, uh, kind of similar to the deep ball, right? It, other guy catches the post. I'm on the opposite side. I've got angles to, you know, go set some screens so the guy can score. And I just stopped. Right. And that was an immediate after the game. Well, how'd you play? And I'm like, Oh geez. <laughs> gonna bring that one up. <laughs> so, so this would have been before your time. I'm pretty sure trying to do math, which I should never do live on the radio. Cause I screw it up. But I, I'm curious. Cause a lot of what, um, 
I learn, and, and some of the friends, both people who work in the business and people who are just football fans, learn from watching some of the old NFL films. They don't do it so much. NFL films has really changed. But they used to do stuff on the best athlete. And even if you didn't play after the sixth grade, you know, or what you, you could, yeah. even if you never played, you could learn a lot. And one thing I learned about run blocking as a wide receiver, because people would look at me and go, yeah, yeah, you're slow. You need to block here. <laughs> you're a lineman. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was done with football. I was, I could play a couple of years of flag football and get out of there because it was <laughs> never going to work for me. But uh, I learned this and it was, um, and your dad may have showed it to you. Uh, there's, a, I think, one player. I don't think that it's changed. I think there's one player who has two 90-yard touchdowns in the same game. And it's John Taylor from the Niners back in the 80s. And NFL Films uh-huh. did this thing about how he got, I think, I don't remember which if it was the first or second one, but one of them, because Jerry Rice ran 50 yards downfield to block somebody. Now, Jerry Rice is the GOAT, okay? He is a clear-cut yeah. GOAT in the way Wayne Gretzky is and the way Jordan doesn't appear to be anymore because LeBron is at least in the conversation, right? There's no one in the conversation with Jerry Rice. And here's Jerry Rice running 50, 60 yards downfield, throwing blocks at the yeah. 40 and the 30. More of a screen, actually, as you said. He wasn't decleating guys. But still, he made sure John right. Taylor got to the end zone and they got this big play. And I'm curious, do coaches, do coaches use video of pros, whether it's something from the current season or some all-timer? Like, this is how you throw a stiff arm. You know, if you're a running back, okay? Now, this stiff arm may have come from some guy 40 years ago, but you don't throw him any better than that stiff arm. Do, do people share that kind of video and dig that kind of stuff up for players? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think good coaches do, right? And I learned about what an extremely good receivers coach. I, I've loved, I've had phenomenal relationships with, you know, all of, all of my receivers coaches, Um from you know my freshman year at Hawaii, Luke Matthews, who was a former Utah Ute, um, and then you know obviously Fessy, who is an extremely good friend, and, and we talk on a regular basis. But I learned about what it meant to be a really good receivers coach uh, through Kefense Henson, who is the receivers coach now at Oregon State. And you talk about someone who was beyond brilliant. Like this dude is one of the most fascinating football minds I've ever been around. Um, it was consistently every single day he had games from 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. So he had 20 years of almost every single NFL football game that had been played. And every single day, if you had a, a question or if there was something on, Hey, how do we block this? Or how do we run this route? Right. He could pick out a game and a play in a matter of like five minutes and would have it up on the screen. And, and that to me is huge because that's how, you know, the kind of the imitation factor, right? Once you see it done and you realize, okay, this is how it needs to be done. This is how the professionals are doing it. You're able to kind of emulate that and work that into your game. Um, and, and that's a huge, huge asset to, to players from a coach's perspective. And, and that's really kind of what made him right. Uh, hands down in my, in my personal belief. And after being around a lot of different receivers, coaches and things like that, uh, Kefense Hinson is probably top three best receivers coaches in the nation right now. 
Well, given that this wasn't a very competitive game to break down and the next one isn't very competitive to break down either, it was good to go to school in the old wide receiver class today. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and coaching hey. us up, Dylan. We appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dylan Colley. As form, always. Yeah, Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, and we have him on next week. We'll find out what he thinks of uh, Boise State. <clears throat> Get a second look at them. See how BYU matches up with them in that big game a week from Friday. Now, PK, we yeah. did find out what one of our coworkers thinks about that game, and we're going to get to that coming up as somebody got really definitive on how that BYU-Boise State game is going to play out. Uh, we'll hear that and our reaction to it next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. When you look at Zach Wilson, nobody anticipates that he'll win a Heisman Trophy, but what are the odds he might be sitting next to a Heisman Trophy winner in New York? I don't even know if they're going to have it in New York. He could be sitting yeah. in uh, Draper on Zoom in December. <laughs> I think you put it in the right context. He could win the Heisman Trophy, but I would think the odds are minuscule. He has a good chance, I would say, right now to be a Heisman finalist. First of all, because he's performed and his team has performed. Individual performance is obviously the most important part of the Heisman. Team performance is a huge part. I mean, think back to Alex Smith when he finished second in the Heisman. A lot of that was because Utah was such a big story, and they were undefeated that year in 04. So that compelled everybody to have to watch. Regardless, like he has earned every bit of the praise. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, the thing about Boise State, though, and BYU fans... I'm telling you right now, you are going to beat Boise State this year. You will. Put it down. It's a W. Write it down. Wow. Bold words from Scotty G there, PK. Write it down. There was no hedging. He sold it hard on the show yesterday. I was driving around town. I was on the freeway. Heard that. I couldn't believe it. I almost drove off the road. Cliché. Okay, I was cliche. I was very surprised to hear Scotty having called the Utah State Boise State game to come out and say BYU's beating Boise State on the blue turf where Boise State rarely loses and BYU is 0 and 5, but he is 100% sure that the Cougars are winning. That's 8 and 0. That's 9 and 0 getting ready for San Diego State assuming they don't add another game in the schedule and assuming all these games get played which in a normal year, we'd assume, and now I probably shouldn't. But, man, Scotty watched that Utah State game, and he came away, and he, he went on, and uh, I think he caught Hans a little off guard when he said it, too. And Hans was getting into it, and Scotty said, Utah State, I mean, they struggled badly in that first half. They were down 28 nothing, And Scotty went to, uh, when they came out in the third quarter, and they quit trying to run side to side, they quit trying to throw the ball, and they ran right at him. And he saw something there that he thinks BYU is going to replicate. I'm not a huge fan of their offensive line. Uh, Utah State was able to get some pressure on Hank Bachmeyer. I saw that. They're using some stunts. They use some stunts. They confuse that offensive line. Mm-hmm. It's a really, The two big question marks of Boise State was their offense and defensive line. And when Utah State went power run and just ran right at that defensive line, they were able to run the ball really effectively. Boise State has probably, and I will agree with Bob Beeler, who joined us earlier in the week, uh, last week, their linebackers are tremendous. Their defensive backfield is tremendous, mm-hmm. but that defensive line is young, inexperienced. Don't go, don't go east-west on that defense. The fly sweeps, that stuff is going to have They're to cover the edges. It's going to have a hard time working. They've got speed on the edges. Their DBs come up. They can shed blocks and they can tackle. Okay, 
but go at them. Run the ball. Run the ball between the tackles, and you can get good yardage on them. That's very, he sold it very hard. He sold it very specifically. And if there's one thing we've been talking about since the BYU Navy game, it's that BYU's got some good offensive linemen. You know, there's two guys who are solid NFL prospects. There's two other guys who are borderline NFL prospects. We'll have to see how it goes. But you tell those guys, you put them in a film room and say, look what Utah State did. You're way better than those guys. If you do this, we will win the game. If you do this, we will run right at them. And of all the things offensive linemen love to do, the number one thing, physically dominate the guy in front of them, push him around. Push him five yards downfield every snap. Offensive linemen think that's fun. And they will do that for three hours, and they will be pigs in mud, and they will love every second of it. And if you and I have learned anything listening to Kyle Whittingham And watching Kyle Winningham, you control the line of scrimmage, you have a power run game, everything else gets easy, and your odds of winning go way up. So when Scotty started selling that and selling it hard, and I haven't talked to him about it yet, I I will before the game, but I know what he saw, but I also know that Scotty's like you and I, and he has a chance to talk to coaches and bend ears and talk to ex-players who know stuff. He didn't sell it that hard based on sitting in a press box. Okay. So, (laughs) circle it, people. Write it down. I wouldn't go running out on that limb right now. I don't know enough, but I haven't talked to enough people. But when I heard Scotty do it, I thought, he knows something. He he was told it, and then he watched it happen. And it's shocking to me that someone could sit here a week and a half out and say, Boise State's getting beat at home by BYU. Mark it down. But, uh, mark it down. Trust Scotty on this one. Well, now, you hear all that and you love to argue. What do you want to argue about? Yeah, let's strip away a couple things here. He do it. He grew up in southern Idaho and Boise. He was right in, in their wheelhouse when they became of age. So he has a great distaste and virtually a hate for Boise, uh, Boise State. And he thinks they're a bunch of front runners because he remembers when they were sucky and nothing. And then he saw them just going crazy and proposing to cheerleaders on the sidelines. <laughs> and they were immediate darlings nationally. What was her name? Uh, Christy? Cr- Chrissy Papadix. Chrissy, not Christy. Ian Johnson and Chrissy Papadix. Come knew. on, man. I know, I know. I need, I need some help there. I knew you could help. How do you forget? I, mean, I did. I had Christie instead of Chrissy. It was his name? I think away. his name, uh, first president was George oh, Lincoln. Uh, Eastington or something. I mean, <laughs> come on. There's some things you just don't forget. You just know. And then secondly, he's a Utah State guy, and he just watched his team get thrashed up and down the field for basically three hours. So I think there's a little fandom in there. And, and then thirdly, I, I don't know that BYU has a power run game to where they could just dominate because we saw it against Navy and then that's been it. So I'm, I'm not sure that's their style of offense. And I don't know that you just change everything and go away from what you do best and, and just neuter Zach Wilson because you think somebody on the other side isn't good enough. Now, once you have, once you have the power run game, then you go and play action pass and, and throw in deep and Zach's all about that. Like, sweet, little power run, set up the deep throw game. Yeah, sign me up. What power run game outside of Navy have you seen BYU exhibit? I don't know that I've seen that. Going when they've had opportunities. last Saturday. Yeah, but see, the thing is you can write that off because you can just say, okay, that's Texas State, but you can't do that to Boise State. Right. 
So really what you have to do is say, well, did they have the power run game at Houston? And no, they got down at Houston, and they were flinging the ball all over the field. Well, they only got down 14-3. to No, they were up 14-3, to and then they gave up the 23 okay. unanswered. Yeah, all right. Uh, it wasn't – it's not like they were just – they had no time, and they were down big. But I don't know that that's what they do best. I, I, I would be more concerned about what BYU does best rather than what Boise does or doesn't do. What do we do? How do we utilize our strengths? Because I think that anybody on their schedule, if BYU does what they can do and do it to the level that they are supposed to do it and are capable of doing it, then it really doesn't matter who the opposition is on this schedule. You know, on other schedule might be another story, but on this schedule, do what you do and what you do best and continue to do it. And you should have success. I mean, that, that's the way I approach it. I don't approach it, wow, man, geez, these guys, we got to do this and this. Because what you're sending a message to, man, if, if we can't really do what we can do. we got to change it because, uh, boy, they're, they're, they're linebackers and they're defensive backs. They're really, really good. I'd be careful about saying that Yeah, I don't think that, they're going to say that. that. Message. No. Well, that, that, it doesn't matter what you say. It's the message that you send. And so, obviously, I know they're not going to say that. That's not the question of well, there's the ways to communicate without using the very words. It's the message that you send. And obviously they're not going to say, guys, their linebackers and DBs are really good, so we're in a whole hell of a lot of trouble here. I know full well they're not going to say that. I, I, don't, I don't think it. I know it. But I would be focused on what BYU does best. Now, that doesn't mean you don't scout the opponents, particularly on defense. But I'm speaking from the offensive perspective what do you think you do best, and then you go ahead and do it. Because to me, that's more satisfying. Uh, I know the cliche is offensive linemen love to run block, and then they, you know, they start snorting snot on you and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a football. I, I never played the game. Snorting put, snot. Yeah, I've never put my hand in the dirt. You ever blow a and, snot bubble on somebody, Yak? No. <laughs> I never did that. That's so, why you didn't get past Mountain View High. I mean, I, not. I did, I've never played the game, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what a chip block is and all this other jargon that they. I'm still trying to figure out a real a real route and uh, you know all those all those types of things. And you know and, what a wheel route is. And, You're way smarter uh, than that. You know, I mean, I just love it when the jock tells me that he just sits down in the zone on the receiver. I love that stuff. I love to hear them just cliche us to death, and uh, I mean, you know, it's coming. So, uh, to me, I'd be more focused on what do we do, and we're going to exert our will on those guys. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to throw it 75 times because, uh, as you say, you have to use things to set up other things. And Norm Chow has taught us, you know, you've got to take deep shots uh, at least a couple of times a quarter, if not more. And that was one, and obviously, whatever I know, he knows a million times more. And so that's what he was talking about. And so you need to do all those things. You need to have diversity in your offense. But I'm more concerned about what BYU does rather than what Boise does. And to me, if BYU is for real, which they're trying to prove they're for real, this has been a season-long, it's not a quest for perfection because that's unattainable. It's a quest for legitimacy. In terms of being big time, that's what the quest is for this year, is for legitimacy to people. When they think of BYU football, they take away the yeah, but. 
That's the whole objective of this season, and that's what Boise proves. And you get out of there with a one-point win, in my mind, that that's a major step. And I was talking to some BYU guys last night about this, and then they're, oh, well, wait a second, we got Western Kentucky. And I said, oh, well, come on. <laughs> I said, if you don't beat Western Kentucky, I'm firing you all. <laughs> and came back. Yeah, the, I said they said I've been worried about getting fired after every game I've ever coached. <laughs> so, and I said, you know, I've been around this business a long time, and I've spoken to many, many coaches, and uh, I've heard that out of uh, coaches who are secure as can be, that they're worried about, oh, if this happens or that happens, all of a sudden my job status is going to be in jeopardy when there's no way that your job status is in jeopardy. So, but I mean, that's the way they are. So I understand that. But for us, we don't, we don't have to worry about that. So I would be focused on when we get to next week, what does BYU do well? Because you want legitimacy. Well, they beat Houston by throwing the ball for 400 yards. Okay, I mean, that's, they do that well, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how they did it. I mean, they, they threw the ball. They, and Dax Milne was out of his mind, 184 yards. And you, really, you would take the you, under on that every week. When you want legitimacy, the way to get it now is on the proverbial back of Zach Wilson because he's your marquee player. When you go, when national media, they know about your team, but they don't really know the nuts and bolts, right? They know about Kalani and they know about Zach Wilson. So if you listen to national, and I've been doing that with the satellite radio, it's been a lot of fun. I've been listening to, I've been just feasting on college sports stuff. Uh, they'll, you hear them. I mean, they, they don't know a bunch of specifics, but they know about Zach Wilson. So if you want to really heighten, and obviously they just want to win the game. I get that. But if you want the biggest bang for your buck, you have Zach Wilson have a huge game against Boise. Because he's your marquee guy. He's the one that's generating all the publicity that you're a large portion of the publicity that you're receiving, right? Quarterbacks, they get the limelight. Yeah. It's, the, it's the way it works. You can have the best power run game in the world, but you just you can't talk about that. It's not as good a TV. Maybe you can talk about it for a minute, but you can talk about a quarterback for five minutes. But it's, to it's Scotty's point... If he sees something and he knows that there's something that's vulnerable for Boise, you darn well better expect BYU to exploit it too. So I'm not discounting by any stretch what he's saying. I'm just wondering, is BYU built that way to have this power run game for four quarters? Is that really who they are? Now, he sees that. And we all knew when you lost every defensive lineman, of course you were going to be uh, inexperienced there. And also, too, when you had to replace four of the five offensive linemen and multiple guys from that line went to the NFL, of course, at least in the first game anyway, without a spring ball and a crazy offseason, it only stands to reason that you weren't going to be as effective as you were last year, and there may be some weakness. Now, that's three games away. You know, from first game to the third game, right? So who's to say when we get there next week that that stuff that Boise has shown, that they're not improved on that because it's not like Harson's over there picking daisies. You know, those guys know what they're doing too, so you get some more experience there. So what Scotty saw last Saturday, is that necessarily what we'll see next Friday? I can't guarantee that. Maybe we will. 
I don't know. We'll know more off the Air Force game, obviously. Clichés that we love to uh, ignore, but we know we can't because we're going to hear them anyway. The most improvement you make is from the first to the second game. So is this young line going to make a bunch? Well, I guess both their offensive line and defensive lines yeah, yeah, make yeah. major improvement before right. they play game number three. I will say... Uh, and this is where stats can lie. As much as I love a good set of numbers, and goodness knows I do, this is where stats good lie. Good set of what? Numbers. Oh, numbers. Okay. Numbers. Easy over there. Uh, <laughs> they don't have to do the power run game for four quarters. They have to run the ball enough that Boise State commits an extra defender to the run game. Because now all the receivers, they just got to beat their guy. And now it's man coverage, and <laughs> every quarterback loves that. We got man coverage, and I know where my matchups are, and I know who to go to to get a big play. And the extra guy's committed to the run game. That's all you got to do. At the end of the night, they may not run for 200 yards, but as long as they force Boise State to commit an extra guy to the run game, whatever the number is, that's the big win. Because then you're throwing the ball into man coverage, and I think we all agree BYU's built for that. So far they've been. Yeah, so... That was what uh, that was to take Scotty throughout there yesterday. It caught my ear. DJ and PK coming up. We got some youth football. Michael Lev is going to join us. He is the Arizona Wildcats beat writer. The Utes open the season against Arizona a week from Saturday, and he writes for the Arizona Daily Star. He's going to join us coming up at nine thirty right here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Let's go. The big show. It's a big with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Regardless of how poor the competition is, Zach Wilson is showing some stuff that is indicating a talent that he is. And it doesn't matter who you're playing, when you can spin a ball downfield the way this kid can, I'm starting to come around. I'd like to say that I've always been high on Zach Wilson. I did not think last year was indicative of his capabilities as a quarterback because I thought he was coming off surgery and he was hurt. And he still beat USC, by the way. So maybe we should have seen this coming a little bit more, but there's a reason that NFL guys are high on him. There's no doubt. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award is presented by John Watson Chevrolet in Ogden and honors the top prep athletes each week of the high school season here on 97.5, 1280 and The Zone Sports Network. Our winner this week is Morgan High School running back Tanner Belinsky. He helped the Trojans win their first round matchup in the 3A tournament in dominant fashion, shutting out South Severe 58 to nothing. He finished the game with eight carries for 171 yards and three touchdowns. His long run of the night was a 77-yard touchdown run in the second quarter. As the second seed in 3A, Morgan will host seventh-seeded Juan Diego Friday at 6 o'clock in a quarterfinal matchup. Make sure to stop by and check out the new selection of new and used cars at John Watson Chevrolet, 3535 Wall Avenue in Ogden. Proud sponsor of the John Watson Northern Utah Player of the Week Award. Boom. Boom, there it is. The uh, quarterfinals for some of the smaller classifications like 3A, uh, 4A, 5A, and 6A are all in the second round. Your Corner Canyon Chargers all refreshed after a bye week to open the playoffs? Not that they need to be. Are you asking me? Yes. What do you know? I know you have your sources at Corner Uh, Canyon State. No, not right now. Nah. <laughs> sources, okay. sources have a broken leg. They've dried up a little bit. The well is, dr- <laughs> the well is dry. <laughs> not having those daily conversations with the coaches for a couple of months. 
give you the lowdown. Do you know how many of those players? Because obviously, if you don't follow it very close, Corner Canyon's 10-0. and They've won back-to-back state titles and been undefeated. They've won 36 games in a row. They've Ranked won the top 10 in the nation. They've won 47 out of the last 48. Zach Wilson was part of that run, and now he's off at BYU. Um, how many of those players are getting offered? I mean, we keep hearing there's more high school kids every year. It seems like it's a new record for the number of high school kids who've, who've got scholarships to play football somewhere. Have you heard how many of the Chargers? You got any idea? Or it's uh, <laughs> with USC offering <laughs> offering 17 quarterbacks, it gets a little, it, get the, it muddies the waters a little bit. Yeah, they certainly got a few, and they've got some guys that are up and coming, but I think that what it speaks to is uh, the greatness that is Eric Kerr and the the just phenomenal offensive mind that he is because, you know, he started this stuff back at Jordan and when he was with a guy named Alex Jacobson who was a childhood buddy of Mike Leach in Cody, Wyoming. And then Leach... Uh, when Alex Jacobson was at Jordan, would come there and they'd have camps in the summer. So Leach uh, had taught a lot of the stuff to Alex, and uh, Alex brought it to uh, Eric, who was there at the time. So a lot of it stems from you know what Leach had learned for it, and that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Knowledge gets passed on. You, you teach, yes. Yeah, so you don't. In, you so don't tend on. to invent stuff. Right. And so, you know, the, they've had a number, the Coach Kerr's had a number of guys put up huge numbers. But interestingly, he's only had one quarterback start a college game, and that is Zach Wilson. So that is a testament to his incredible coaching ability. I think those are, that's just a fact right there. And, but they've got some guys, and I know that I've spoken to well, local coaches around here, uh, college coaches, and they're looking at a bunch of guys over there, and then they go in the spring. You know, we talked about how my wife teaches over there, and she's been over there, and she hears of these big-name dudes who come running through town in the spring. Didn't have it this year because of the pandemic, but in the past, you name it. It's been a who's who because I think the rules are in the spring. You can't have him at home visits or whatnot, but you can, you can go to the schools. And, and I've spoken about this, and you've, you've witnessed it uh, firsthand to where they, know they, they don't need the teachers on campus to evaluate the football skill. That's what the, the professionals can do. But they do their homework, and they talk to teachers uh, how, how's this kid? You know, what kind of kid is he? What kind of classmate is he? What kind of respect does he have for authority figures in the classroom, i.e. the teachers and the administrators? Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife has been in that situation. I've been in that situation as a, a writer. I've had GMs and scouts and whatnot call me yep. and ask me, what about what do you know about this guy? I don't need you to tell me about his basketball or his football. I got that covered. So I need you to tell me what you know about the kid, which, you know, and that's just that's just smart. And particularly for, you know, for BYU's sake, because obviously, the you know, infractions, the rules are tighter in that situation. But, yeah, so they go around and they ask, uh, basically looking for character references. And in some cases, if they're on the line, uh, on the fence about whether to offer or not, uh, and teachers will tell you the truth. And uh, so... 
it's important that kids take care of their business. If any parent or any kid is listening, you know, what you do as a ninth grader could come back to bite you. Uh, but, yeah, they've got a phenomenal program. Casey Sutera, who played at the U, uh, is uh, the defensive coordinator there, and he knows his stuff. His brother, Frankie, is on the defensive staff, played at uh, Utah State. Great, great overachiever. Had an opportunity to coach Frankie in baseball when he was, like, 14 years old. He was just a little dude. And to see him blossom, I followed him. I followed him up at Utah State. I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but he knows that I followed him. And you want guys that are going to live and breathe it. And then that was the kind of kid that he had, that he was when he went up there and played, played safety for the, for the Aggies when they had some good teams with Gary Anderson. So they've got it going on there. And it's a credit to our state. And I'd like to see some more. You know, I think that that's just great, great for the state. Now we got to find a way to keep these kids home. More of them, not all of them. That's impossible. The numbers are getting too big, but more of them and the, and the best players keep the best players home. The difference makers. Yeah, yeah that's the, what I'm talking the, about. They, and you don't want to get overboard on the stars, but the four stars. Uh, and, and to your point about like if you have a recruitable athlete, they're uh, they're under the microscope everywhere. People are taking notes everywhere. They know who they are. Steve Fisher, the the guy who, well, he had a build. He had a new arena, so that helped. But he turned San Diego State basketball around. I mean, when you started covering it, you know, they were the bottom of the league. They were the laughing stock. They were playing in a 50, 60 year old gym, and then they got an arena. So that facilities certainly matter. But he was famous for. And I remember a, a profile they did on him in the, in the local paper down there about he was famous for he could walk into a school and he, when he was recruiting, he knew everybody's name. He knew the name of the person who worked at the front desk. He, he knew teachers. He knew vice principals. And it's like when your kid walks into the office, like that person, the coaches want to talk to that person. You know, a quote unquote nobody. How do you, how do you treat the average person who you may or may not know? They want to know everything. There was a reason Steve Fisher knew everybody's name. It wasn't an accident. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to find out how you treat the average person. Yeah, especially you. Uh, well, I'm the below average person. Ah, not on the golf course, baby. Well, I guess on the golf course, <laughs> that's a good thing, right? Oh, below? Yeah. Below par. <laughs> below par. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, when we come back. It's the question of the day. It's getting a lot of reaction on Twitter and Facebook. BYU is undefeated. Some people are celebrating that. Other people, it is getting under their skin. And why is that getting under people's people's skin? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.